1: Hey, it's Melissa Rivers, and welcome to Group Text. Stay tuned for a new episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Group Text. Uh, Great guest today. You all know her from Real Housewives of New York. Uh, Now an author. Dorinda Medley. Hi. How are Hi. you?
0: Hey, Melissa. I haven't seen you since your book launch. Can you imagine? Yeah. That's a,
1: been a while.
0: That's been a while. That's how long it's been. But we have so many nice friends in common. So I was excited. And so was Greg this morning that we were uh, doing this.
1: Well, we're going to get into the book. We're going to do us a Here little bit of roll up Yay! into it. Yay. Ooh, fancy cover. Right. Um, it's nice. I like the back. It's beautiful. Too. Ooh. Now, who are you wearing on the back? The back, so the front, I'm wearing old Oscar with a Chanel top.
0: And the back, I'm wearing Balmain with just a pair of um, white, like Gucci slacks.
1: You know what? Simple girl with a dream. I pretty much dress in
0: uniform style. You know, the one thing about me is I'm not that creative of a dresser. I'm pretty consistent. People know my look. It works for me. At this point, I go with it.
1: Yeah, simple girl with a dream in Balmain. (laughs) Um, right off the bat, I, I and I don't know how this happened. How were you approached originally to be on Real Housewives Real- of New York?
0: Well, you probably don't know this because I'm sure you don't like, follow it, but I was on the show like three or four times in the background or in sort of different scenes. So I was sort of like the friend of in the background, never on as a friend of, but always, because I knew all the girls. And right. I think that's, and so you know, what timing was everything, you know, they kind of were mulling around Jill Zarin was kind of the first one to start telling everybody about this moms in Manhattan, or it was called something like that. But I was a single mom. My daughter was at Sacred Heart. It just didn't work. And then, um, you know, after Richard died and Hannah went to uh, college, I got approached again and I just thought, why the hell not? You know, I kind of had lost all these labels. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't worried about being Dorinda Sincala or, Dorinda Lynch or Dorinda Medley or mom or, you know, I just kind of wanted to be Dorinda. And I thought it was a great way to just do something for me. And it really was. I mean, I know housewives are so many things to so many people, both negative and positive. But for me, it was kind of therapeutic.
1: So, you know, and and that's what I was going to ask you. People who have not done reality television do not understand how stressful it is and how exhausting it is. And sometimes it takes a minute to get away from it, to be able to say how it changed your life for good and for bad. Mm-hmm. So how did it, how did that, what well, what changed it for good? What changed it for bad? Because it's a crazy experience. It's
0: a crazy experience. And I don't think you really understand it until, you know, for, especially for me, cause I went on it and I was very good friends with all the girls. So a lot of times when we were doing scenes, it was just like, we we were in real life. I mean, we really were. I think that's why it was a lot of time, you know, a lot of times so successful because I knew these girls. I kind of, they they are their characters in a lot of way. We all, we're not that different on camera as we were off camera. Of course, it's exemplified a bit. And, you know, it's it, it sort of made bigger on the show a little bit, but.
1: you yeah, know sometimes think, you kind of, they take things you say out of context. Yeah. Or you, know, you say- also know at one point you're playing for the camera, so you're going to say something that you normally would have, Maybe, well, you, you know,
0: it's every it's kind of the rules. I say the thing about, you know, the Housewives stars, everything you learned in kindergarten, you you don't do on this show. You know, it's usually right. everything you learned in kindergarten. You do this is you don't do. So, like, I wouldn't really <laughs> say in, a, in real life at a cocktail party what I didn't like about someone. I wouldn't say, you know, that's a horrible looking dress and your boyfriend's sleeping with someone own. So, you know, you kind of have more of a, a wall. But, you know, that, you know, it's like playing chess. You have to be clever. You have to think in a different way. And. It's not scripted. And I know people think it's scripted, but not my it wasn't scripted when I was on it. It's not scripted. No. And you got to remember, too, we're filming for hours and hours and hours and hours. And, you know, this better than anyone. And then they may reduce it down to 30 minutes. So you just don't know what that 30 minutes is. But I think part of that process is you have to lean into that early on. You kind of have to give it away, because if you're going to be that person that really gets caught up in everything. it's a bad edit. It's a bad. Edit. you're gonna you're gonna kill yourself. So I kinda would go through the process, hand it over back to shed. they'd edit it, they'd put it on, and then suffer through the good up ep- I mean, suffer through the bad ep- episodes. You know, I'd say to my mother all the time, because my mother of course started watching it. And I, when there was a good episode, I'd be like, you know, it's unscripted. And when it was a bad episode, I'd say, you know, they scripted that, right? She'd be like, oh, God, I, I know. I thought that. I'm, sure. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no,
1: no. Scripted. Scripted. <laughs> I love it. But people don't get how long it takes. And it's literally physically, emotionally and mentally exhausting.
0: Well, you have to be in it. So when the season starts, you've got to really be in it and committed and you kind of drink, eat and sleep housewives to the point where I talk about it in the book where you sort of remove your, you know, I, I actually kind of made a decision after the first year when I was filming the second year that I almost, it was almost too difficult to see my friends because I was in this world. And then they're talking about things like hey, cocktail party. I'm thinking, what the, f-? You know what I mean
1: I I got to go in there tomorrow and expose someone's whole life. <laughs> yeah. So was that, do you think that, what was the, what was the best part? What was the worst part?
0: It's fun. You know, it's all kind of like going back to college. You sort of look forward to it. It's sort of like being an NFL player. You get all geared up for it. You go in there and you fight the fight and you do whatever you got to do on the field. And then you come off and you sort of, you know, shake each other's hands, pat each other's ass and carry on. And you kind of have to have that kind of mentality because if you're going to get too emotionally attached to every little thing, you're just not going to make it. You know, and people would say to me things like, Emily did, you're such a bitch. I'm like, okay, well, sorry about that. You yeah. know what I mean? And carry on with my yeah. life. I didn't
1: know you six months ago and I probably won't know you six months from now. We're all good. And it's kind right. of- and I don't fun. really care. And I don't, and I don't care about your opinion that much.
0: Yeah, well, you know, and the thing is, I, I always try to be responsive to people, even the bad stuff, because I think they, people tend to like to dehumanize you and they think if they say it and you don't respond, it's a kind of a little cowardly because a lot of times when I've responded, oh, sorry about that, or too bad you feel that way, then they get all changing. Well, I did not really mean it. I really didn't know because people don't like to pull the mask off. And my whole thing is, if you're going to say it, stand behind it. You don't have to like me. That's good. If you don't, you know, we're all cool with that. It makes you stronger. It's an incredible platform. I mean, I think fame can be a very tricky thing. You know better than anyone. You have to, mm-hmm. you know, keep your eye on the ball while you're doing it. You know, you can, if you're just doing it for the fame game and to get your face on a cover of a magazine or stuff and get free clothes and all that, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah. I kind of always really looked at it as an opportunity to kind of grow and and become myself and try to build a platform. Listen, I, I, God knows, I wouldn't have been able to write this book without it
1: what made you want to write the book why is this the right time
0: you know well i was put on you know, i was put on pause and then we were in covid and i was back in great barrington you know it sort of come full circle the place that i had so desperately thought about leaving and get away from and be bigger better faster God forbid I end up in Great Brankton. Here I was full circle after living this sort of very interesting life and going through all kinds of changes and going through a change yet again. And Simon and Schuster approached me and said, you know, we really would love to do a book with you. And I thought, why the hell not? Right. Let's add it. And I was ready to tell the story. You know, I've been running and living and trying for so long that it was nice to kind of look back and see how, like, how did I get here? And and it was Amazing to write it because there were times where I was really proud of myself, and then there was other times where I was sort of like, that was sad. <laughs> like yeah. I, you
1: know, I mean, you, you talk about your humble beginnings. What part of your childhood was the most difficult? What made you want to leave?
0: You know, it wasn't that my childhood was ever difficult. My parents are great, I'm super close to them. It's that I wanted better. I didn't have a lot of resources financially, connection wise. You know, I came, i come from a deep seated Italian Polish family. My grandparents were there. My great grandparents were there. People got married, you know, were born there, grew up there, married there. We all got married in the same church and died there. And I just was like, I want more. And my mother wanted more for me. That was the driving force. Even though my mother was raised very traditionally Italian, Catholic and you know went to church every day and she definitely had a vision for me for her girls she I never once felt like you know there were two older brothers and then a younger sister so there were four children in the in the family she raised us all to you know do better have better and venture a little further than she wanted to and it definitely translated because I do think even in writing the book I realized that my mother wanted more I'm not saying she wasn't happy but my mother was smart enough given a different time and given opportunities that there's a lot of me in my there's a lot of her in me you know she I remember talking to her about it one point she goes well you know I got a scholarship at the something secretary school in Boston and I would have been a great secretary but of course I didn't have that option and it was the first time I was like it was like like wow like she had dreams too like Maybe she would have been a secretary. Maybe she would have married an executive and maybe she would have lived in Boston. Like it could have been very different.
1: I think that's, 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 that's got to have been a fascinating realization.
0: Well, it was, I was like, I was like this, like I stopped looking at her as a mother, which is all I think of her, you know, as in a lot of ways. And I really was like, cause she said it with a little bit of like st- it was a little bit of a secret and a little bit of a reveal that I hadn't seen. I don't think she've ever allowed me to see like you had hopes and dreams too. come on. Cause I am your hope and dream. Like it's all right here. You know
1: what I mean? Yeah. You, you should be sad. You, you achieved what you were supposed to achieve. God forbid, I never thought of you wanting more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when she said that, I was like, I I thought, and so I think she took a little mustard up a little of that, which she couldn't do and said, by damn it, my children are going to do, especially my girls. My mother told me from a very early age, You're going to go to college. You know, you're not going to be one of those kids. You're going, you know, you're going to college one day. You know, this, this isn't forever. And I'm like, Well, oh, I don't know about that. You know, I don't want to leave home. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm too afraid to leave home. You know, maybe I'll go to the community college when I was very little. And then, you know, she made a very executive decision for me that changed my life at 14. She dragged me out of public school and she put me in private school. I'll never forget it. I was sitting in a parking lot at Monument, uh, Monument Mountain High School, listening to Van Halen with a bunch of people thinking, <laughs> should I be a cheerleader or shouldn't I? <laughs> this is it. And my this is it, like, the big no, life decision. To, yeah. You're going to prep school and it changed my
1: destiny. I mean, going from the Berkshires to New York, I mean, that's, that's a big change. Did you ever have any fear? Yes. Did you have fear?
0: Every day. Because it was just so inaccessible to me. And it was just everything to me was bigger, better, faster. And it just seemed like. These were the people that it wasn't just moving to another another city. It was moving to New York City. And these people ran in a way that it was a totally different animal that I was used that I was used to. The way they ate, the way they spent money, the way they lived, the way they walked everywhere. It just seemed so interactive. Like it was a big secret. And I wanted to know the secret.
1: Then you got to London. I mean, you did not sit still. No. And that's I mean, at least London and New York. Are similar in sort of vibe. Well, you know
0: they are now, but I moved there right after the Margaret Thatcher uh, just just was out of office and John Major was just coming in, and it was still a very old guard, and there weren't a lot of Americans there. I mean, now there's American on every corner, but Americans were a uh, were an anomaly. And um, I remember when I first moved there, Lehman Brothers put us up in Eaton Terrace, and you know, in Bulgravia, and I was thinking, and we had like a grown up apartment, and.
1: And that was with your
0: first husband. You had my first husband. And I remember Ralph immediately started working like 92 hours a day. So I never saw him. It wasn't like my husband came with me and was like, now we're going to set up a nice life. He was like, see ya. Okay. Cause you know, that's how the investment banks were back then. They set you up beautifully, but boy, they didn't hold your hand. And now you were a Lehman wife that was referred to. Well, you're a Lehman wife. And um, I remember one day I was so lonely. I thought, ah, I'm just going to go knock on my neighbor's door and introduce myself and maybe get to know her and I literally went downstairs and I knocked on her door and this beautiful woman with this amazing coiffed hair and a jacket on and everything opened up the door and she said may I help you and I said oh yeah my name is Dorinda Lynch and I just got married and she goes for god's sakes why would you knock on my door you crazy American and she slammed the door and I thought oh my god I'm in big trouble like I'm never gonna make a friend because I'm, I had no friends in London so Literally, for about the first six months, all the shopkeepers became my friend. Peter Jones was like my home away from home. If I got lonely, I'd go to Peter Jones and buy soaps. Remember those florist soaps?
1: Yeah, Flores. Oh, my God. Yeah. But then you had your daughter while you were living in London. Did that change everything because you got mommy friends?
0: That changed everything. It, 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 a couple of things changed. I kind of, when I finally realized after about a year that I wasn't just an expat, but I was married to a Brit and this was it. It wasn't like I was going back ever. So it was like, I had to really, I started to like go to things like, uh, I I tried for like a second to join the junior league, but it was a disaster for a person like so me. So not like, you. It was amazing. So then you. I, I joined the Ladies of Knightsbridge and then I started joining. I just joined anything I could join any place I could go to meet people. And then I started teaching aerobics and then I started to just go to church and try to meet people there in the square. And then I got pregnant with Hannah and that opened up a whole new world because the mommy thing in London is really a great social entree. I ran this company called DCL Cashmere and that kind of opened up a whole group of people. I got, I got into this really socially group that um, all started wearing my cashmere Lord and Lady this, and, you know, and then Princess Diana started wearing it. So I kind of got myself in there and that's what it is with London. You have to slowly peel the
1: onion. Well, I was going to ask you about DCL cashmere. You know, I was going to ask you about DCL cashmere and my, I guess my question is really shallow and basic. Um, is there any of it left in, in sample sizes, and can I buy it wholesale? (laughs) (laughs) Just a question.
0: I have (laughs) some pieces. I'm telling you, Melissa, it was very cutting edge because you got to remember, we're talking a long time ago. We're talking 20 years ago. They didn't have, like, I made things at unfinished edges. And I did the thumb hole before the thumb hole was the thumb hole. Love the thumb hole. And the extended sleeve. I did yeah. the unfinished edges so they rolled up. I did ropes to the floor. I did racer back tops. I mean, that was there was only the crew neck, the V-neck, the twin sets back yep. then.
1: Well, and you know what's back. Have you been seeing, I think it's on um, Rowing Blazers. They're bringing back the, the Diana sweater with the sh- one black sheep. No, I
0: want to stop Eight. you right there.
1: I have the original one. Really? Do you have know how much that's worth now? I wore it at Christmas and
0: in an Instagram.
1: I, I ordered one.
0: Christmas. I have it and I was in like, London, everybody bought that. Yes. They bought that one and the other one that said, I am luxury.
1: I'm a luxury few can afford. I'm like, yeah. Now, I have to be honest. I ordered the remakes and then I put them on. I'm like, I can't rock this anymore. Like it just didn't look good on me.
0: <laughs> but you know, that was very cutting edge
1: on the weekend. Yes. She made
0: those very cutting edge. So I don't have the luxury one. I bought that. They sent me that one from Rowing, but I have the original one with the with the cow. And I know exactly what I, what I bought them at Beach and Place. They used to carry all those sweaters right there, Harrods. Yes,
1: they did. Um, you then this is this this I didn't know. And being a single mom, this sort of blew me away. You got divorced. And then I'm starting to think you're crazy. You thought it would be better to be a single mom in New York. Yes. I mean, do you have a death wish? (laughs) You know what? It it
0: actually was the right choice because- my family, obviously. First of all, I was an American at the end of the day, and I really was right. like I. And I was a single, like not, I mean, she had her father, so I hate that's kind of not an appropriate word, and he's hugely part of her life. But I knew I was going to be with. I needed a support system, and I knew my mother would be a big support system again. It all goes back to Diane Sincala, and I felt like. I'd lived in New York before I could navigate it. And I really think New York, unlike London, is a great start over place. London, yes. if you are divorced in London and you're not a couple and you're a singular, like literally, I'll never forget, I, I announced to one of my friends, you know, and in London, I don't know how they do it now, but back then they used to invite you to dinner parties 19 months before the dinner. They'd be like, in yeah. March 19th, in 2000, you know, 38. could you, are available for a dinner? So if I tell you, if it didn't happen once, it happened 10 times. After I separated from Ralph, I got disinvited from dinner parties. And the excuse oftentimes was it's evens and not odds. Oh. And it's very much like that in London. So I knew in New York, you know, New York is a great place because it's not as judged. I didn't feel like they would judge me as much. I thought I could start over. It's very mm-hmm. easy to be anonymous here. You know, you can kind of
1: recreate yourself in New York City. And I knew I would be loved. Right. But what's fascinating is my mother, after my father died, picked up and moved back to New York. And it was the same thing. She felt L.A. was a couple's town. And she had, she could start over in New York as a single person. She already yeah. had great friends there. And her first thing was, first of all, New York was her first love. But she's like, I got to get out of here with LA. But it was the yeah. same thing. It was, New York's very much a fresh start kind of place.
0: It's a fresh start and it's very tolerant and accepting. No one yeah. cared if I was a single mother. I am during the, you know, during the, during the lunch and I'm a single mom. People like join the group. Like, you know, get on. And I love that kind of get on with the attitude that New York has. It just keeps moving. You just got to jump back in. It's like, you know, that double dutch jump rope. Just got to get yeah. back in again. Start, yeah.
1: And you'll eventually be okay. Um, your, uh, your love of fashion, because you also worked at Liz Claiborne back in the day. Remember Liz Claiborne? <laughs> remember Liz Claiborne? Yes, I am old enough to remember Liz Claiborne. Um, did you always, and I'm looking at you now, and you've always got beautiful clothes and a beautiful... Were you always into fashion? Always. I've been cut. You know, I come. We
0: will. We come from the era of the old fa- fashion magazines. I used to cut those things up like crazy and build endless, endless, you know, visions of hope and things. I just always have loved fashion. I've always loved color. Like I love abundance of color i used to take all those old out of the berkshires they used to have all these great scarf shops kind of hippie scarf shops And i used to sew them all together and make dresses and belt it and my you know i always had a scissors at at, at my disposal
1: it's true i mean fashion paved a lot of the way in your life very much it made you social in london you it, know and the it,
0: thing about fashion is is it it does you know it's a talking, you know. It's just we we do it ourselves, you know. When you go to a party as women and men or whatever, you see people walk in and you see them. Like, I remember the first time I saw Daphne Guinness, I thought, wait a second, who is that? What is yeah. she wearing? What does her life look like? And I want to know her immediately, right? Because it, yeah. it was a look, you know, the and the first time you can you meet, you know, and you meet. Certain people, like I, I felt that way when I met Alexander McQueen. I thought, oh, my God. And I bought one of his first dresses. And I remember thinking, this is a whole different ball game." You know, I no longer want to wear the Chanel jacket. I want to wear an Alexander McQueen black jacket with pointy shoulders, very tight around the waist. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's my new look. Back in the day when we all had really tiny waist. Exactly. <laughs> if I showed you an Alexander McQueen jacket that I just gave Hannah, Hannah put it on because Hannah's very 27 and runs yeah. every day.
1: I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, it's just not possible that I fit it. Or you kidding <laughs> me? When not I possible. moved, I I found a shirt that, or a top, not a shirt, that I wore on the red carpet. And it looked like it was for a child. Wait, it, wasn't literally... that child? it wasn't the tube toppy one, was it? No, it well, it it, it was beaded, slightly cowl necked, came like just past my boobs and had two um beaded bands. Yeah. And I wore it with I wore it with a with a green skirt that was barely I held on. This. I had this little tiny shirt and I wore it with uh, I By the way, sadly, I tried to get back into at least the skirt that was barely above my hip bones. And I wore that on the red carpet. I think now, oh, my God, like I, I was naked, but we all I were.
0: Have, do you remember when Tory Burch first came out? And this was even after I had Hannah. I was still very small because it happens very fast. Your body just shifts. Remember when Tory Burch first came out, she had that big party down in Lolita, which was kind of like the new place to be. She did these tunic little tops that were dresses as well, but they had all the beading. And I used to wear that as a dress. I thought it was very chic. I'd go a lot of was a little pretty heel. Yeah. I put that on the other day. It's barely a shirt. I'm like, Hannah, I used to wear that as a dress. She goes, no, you did. That's disgusting. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I did. I did. of did.
1: Yeah, we all. But it, it's crazy, you I know. I remember
0: with a high heel, but always a kitty because
1: I didn't want to be yeah. slut. <laughs> no, you wanted to be slut adjacent. <laughs> slut adjacent. You know, like look, I'm classy. I only have a kitten heel, but you can all. But but back then, but you can see yeah, my Gucci. <laughs> yeah, but it was long enough, and you could. I mean, it's also crazy, but I think it's fascinating with you. Um, how fashion has really defined your life. I understand it.
0: Yeah, I, I to this day, love fashion and I love pieces and I love, you know, I, I'm a big kind of person that buys things and keeps them. Like I just discovered I got to Can I show it to you? I'm going to show you what I yeah. just bought on eBay. Hold on one second. I think you're
1: hold on. Okay. Two seconds. It's right here. No problem. Let's see.
0: This is an amazing, amazing find because they don't make it anymore. And I took the risk because it was only $70 and it was real. This is an old, old poochie.
1: <gasps> but That's it's a vintage
0: a... with the old label.
1: Wow. Wait, hold on. Can we pull that up so we can take a screenshot of that? Now, the story gets better. It's from okay. Luann's
0: closet. She's, <laughs> she had her closet cleaned out. And she got rid of the, this pure poochie. You know, I thinking, I know if I were really great person i'd call her and say don't get rid of that for 70 dollars
1: but i'm not i'm just gonna buy it <laughs> and then you can call her and say hey that i bought that poochie trash for 70 bucks
0: morning at 6 i Facetime you at seven o'clock
1: holding this up that's hilarious um y- you talk about hannah yes. um and oh i'm an only child my son is an only child your daughter is an only child there's a very interesting bond first of all between mothers and daughters especially only children. But I'm finding even with my son being an only child. Do you I often wish I had more. Do you?
0: Yes. In fact, one I really do. I and I I I think about that a lot. And I think I if I stayed with Ralph I would have had more. And I did believe after I left Ralph that was a thing that I was going to have more. Like that was still in my vision. And it just didn't work out. But now it's um you know, I value, I really value my relationship with Hannah now as an adult. It took us a while to get there. And it's funny. Don't take this as any wrong way, but I kind of always likened myself to your mother. Like she's strong and she sort of has used her sense of humor to get through things. And you're a lot like Hannah in the way that like, your mother was sort of all the show and stuff. And Hannah's more of the academic and sort of like has had to deal with this mother that's always bigger than life but you know then then you kind of come together and it's been interesting to watch how when you not only have you're an only child but you go through a tragedy yeah how this mother-daughter bond takes on a totally different thing like Hannah became my oak tree a little bit like we really had to bond together because we had each other if all else failed and that never goes away. So Hannah and I have something very special that, you know, I, she said to me the other, and I'm so sorry for the loss of your mother. Cause I know how close you, you guys you. were. Thank you. My Hannah said, I just don't know if I could ever live without you. Cause you're more than a mom. We're just so intertwined. Like I just don't see what life looks like without you. I said, well, both, both by you know, the way,
1: inter- intertwined, both good and bad. Yeah. Both good
0: and bad. Because, Hannah and I love each other, but we're very different. And that's, that's a, you know, I raised and Hannah was raised very differently than I was. And secondly, you know, I've been able to afford her more opportunities. So she hasn't had to do the struggle as much. So that makes her a little more free to be opinionated and have choices and, you know, venture into things that maybe I had to dance for my dollars to do a little bit, which is great. That's why we do it. Right. So, Every once in a while, like we had a moment this weekend where she was she did like one thing. She unpacked like the grocery at the house in the Berkshires. Well, because and I done I gotten up in between doing everything to go grocery shopping for all of her friends that were coming to visit. She turned to me after she unpacked her grocery. I was like, just leave it. You're putting it away. I do everything for you. (laughs) I was like, Are you
1: fucking kidding me? (laughs) By the way, I can relate to her comment. You know, once once my mother and I had this huge fight and she my mom was big on um, emails and she sent me this email. Literally, we she had just left for the airport and we'd had a big argument and she sent me this email saying, I wish we were closer and I don't know anything going on in your life. And my jaw hit the ground and I immediately replied saying, are you insane? (laughs) The problem is we are too much in each other's lives. You're, you're crazy. And I waited, I sent it, and within five minutes I got back, eh, okay. <laughs> I'll call you when I land.
0: That's how I am. I'm very much like yeah. your mother. I mean, Hannah said to me the other day, do you want to hear a sick thing, Mom? I did my analysis of the month of how many calls I get from each person in my life. This is your number. Do you think
1: that's healthy? <laughs> but you know, it, I I do love, you know what
0: I said to her? I said, well, you know what Hannah one day when I'm gone, you're not going to get so many
1: calls. Oh my God. I said that to Cooper the other day. I'm like, really one day, I'm not going to be here. And I thought, Oh dear God, I sound like my mother. I'm like, appreciate it now.
0: Um, but listen, that's what was so, that's, you know, we've all, I've read your mother's story two or three times and I just love the fact that she was really, a, I, t- I took inspiration from women like that because they just didn't accept no, they just kept the music on, they kept the dance going, the dance may have been a little slower, the dance may not have been good, as good at times, but boy my God, that music stayed on, they kept dancing.
1: I and, can relate to that. And I just think
0: it really, in the end, as I always say to Hannah, slow and steady wins the race. Just keep it moving. Just keep on going. Don't get stuck in these roadblocks because you know Hannah's younger and she definitely has a tendency sometimes to get so overwhelmed by you know by by things. And they have so much more than we did with the social media and the oh and, and their place as women, which I think is just such a different ball game. You know, it was much. It was in a weird way very hard to be a woman growing up when we did, but also very easy. You know, it was sort of a mad mix.
1: It, it, it depended on what path you took. That's right. Um, you know, it's interesting to say about, you know, I always joke, you know, keep throwing me peanuts and I'll just keep dancing. The That's monkey it. will dance, you know. And that was very much instilled in me by my parents, both of them, which is people say, what do you, you know, what do you do? I say I work. It's all you I know how they to do. Me,
0: you know what they call me in the industry? What? The Joan Rivers of Housewives. They're like, throw her a hundred bucks and she'll throw her show up.
1: The joke was in our family and like our agents and stuff like that still make fun of me. We would say they, they would say we have an offer. And the first thing would say is how much and then say, what is it? <laughs> because the amount of money made all the difference on if it was going to be something Greg we would do. Me,
0: I swear on my life. I Greg said to me the other day, he said, what are you doing? I said, Oh, I have to go to Mohegan sun because I have an afternoon greet and meet with hundred times. Mohegan people. sun. They, I know <laughs> it will. I
1: like know it will. Well.
0: She says, okay, Joe Rivers, call me when you call,
1: call me. when you get oh. back." Oh yeah. I'm the same way. First it's how much. And then it's, what is it?
0: This And you then know what
1: I say, I know, you know, that's a, that's the thing that's
0: grown up very in my family. Very at You just don't say no to money.
1: No, no. Meaning. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It I takes a lot, lot for me to say Anna, no
0: or get it and go buy something or go on a holiday. Just don't say no to money. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I, I, you know, that was one of the big things for me after my mom died that I had to start to say no to things. Yeah. Because I had to look at the bigger picture. That's it. And that was, you know, I could feel my mother, you know, screaming at me from the great beyond. And I'd be like, I can't. This is inappropriate. You just died. just like, you know, I could hear her in my head going, you take the fucking money. (laughs) (laughs) I could, I literally could hear it, you know, I don't care. I'm dead. It doesn't mean anything. Take the money.
0: Yeah, well, that's right. You know, it's a, there's something, but there's, there's a survivalist thing about
1: that that I love. Yeah, um, I
0: love it. And I got to tell you something also, too. There's nothing more beautiful. Someone asked me the other day, what do you tell me about the things you value? And I said, well, of course, I value the obvious things, my daughter, my family, my health, blah, blah, blah. But I think the thing I most value in my 50s and after all of these things I've gone through, especially after COVID, I value freedom. Like mm-hmm. it is an amazing gift to be free as a woman. So my friend Mona called me up the other day and said, Hey, listen, I was thinking maybe we'd just go to Miami on Thursday just to check into Soho house, do nothing else, never leave it. And then check out on Sunday morning and let's just get on a plane and do it. We'll get whatever flight. And you know, my, my old self was like, uh, I don't know. I got, I got." I uh. I was like, okay, why not? She's like, let's not even pack. Let's just bring a bathing suit and a couple cover ups. Let's literally stay at the hotel, maybe bring one uh-huh. dress. I was like, all right
1: at the beginning of this month at the be- or actually at the beginning of July, I got an offer to go away with a friend last minute. She's like someone, you know, what are you doing next week? And I'm like, Oh yeah, this, this, she goes, you want to go to St. Bart's It's already paid for. And know. I'm like, okay. And I've yeah. never done that in my life. I
0: haven't ever until this into this time. So yes, I would have loved to have more kids, but I'm really, Enjoying this sort of face. I and I kind of came out of COVID thinking, you know, it's okay to kind of just be me and not have to, you know, I'm ready to be back in New York, but it was kind of nice just to exhale for a second. I've been dancing and running and all that. That's why it was nice for the book because it was such a great time to sit down and just write it because I had nowhere to go.
1: Well, let's talk specifically about the book. Okay. What is make it nice? mean well we all know it from the show because i yelled out that make it nice that iconic thing that's on
0: every mug and every t-shirt i can't go i can't even go to any city in america or london without people screaming it out to me right but for me it's it's sort of deeper than just that it's just that you know put an effort into things do your best be dedicated be honest you know give it the good old try you know try to be try to leave you know i i would hope that when I leave someone or that when people leave my home, they say I made it nice. Like the essence of me is, is, is good. I leave something, you know what I mean? And, you know, I, I gotta say it's, it's worked for me. You know, I didn't always get everything I wanted, but in the end it all turned out well. You know, I said, like my mother always would say life is like a quilt. Some patches are more beautiful than the other, but collectively they make a beautiful quilt. You know, you just got to accept the whole quilt. We can't get too focused on that patch because, you know, we all have our patches we don't like. That's life. And I, I think it's very important that, you know, that I try to teach my daughters to, you know, we we all have fragile moments and we suffer from fragility or faults or mistakes or bad decisions, but it doesn't define you. It really, really, I know that sounds cliche, but it really doesn't. Like I look up some of my mistakes. And I think, well, that was bad, but it kind of pushed me into another direction, you know?
1: What did you learn about yourself writing the book? What what was the unexpected? What was like that unexpected moment of, you know, I, 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 you know, I just learned something about myself.
0: I learned. I think what I probably learned about myself is I am pretty fucking strong. I'd, I'd have to agree with that. You know, I'm pretty strong. And, you know, I, I you know, Hannah said, you know, it's, sometimes you don't see it. But when you walk in a room, it's like you're like in those in the C's part because you don't realize it because you have such direction now. And I'm very proud of that because the person that came to New York City on the Bonanza bus was not that person. I was afraid. I was really afraid of failing.
1: You are amazing. You are clearly living your best life as much as I hate oh. that term. But yeah. I think you are. That comes through. The book comes out August seventeenth. Yes. Make it nice. Everyone needs we're to book, order we're it. Where books are sold, bo- anywhere <laughs> books are sold, you should do it just for the co- you should you should do it just to see the cover and a little Balenciaga on the back. The woman has covered every every kind of designer lust just in the front and back cover. Thank you, Dorinda. I I adore you. Oh, thank you.